0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Energy Awareness Radio. Today, we are tackling taboo topics of our time, rethinking family values, moral politics, and the culture war. Altruism is at an all time high, and yet, we, and by we, I mean primarily our government, is not providing everyone a fair shot in life. Not at all, as a matter of fact. How will our children learn and grow so they may thrive in a way that is purposeful and provides the next generation? their own children, with the means to live peacefully, in compassion, empathy, and for the greater good of all. Corporate America has been operating on the principle that more is better. Greed is good, and it's all about me and for me, to the tune of billions. To hell with the oceans, rainforests, clean air, untainted food, sustainable wages, economic justice, and to hell with the common good. That's the reality we live in now and have been living with for decades. The fundamental problem we face as a culture is that capitalistic values have overtaken humanistic values, hollowing out the soul of our society. How do we gain the moral footing our society has lost? Perhaps more importantly, can we? Spoiler alert the answer is yes. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. This is your host. T Love here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer free of charge and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com/energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com/energyawareness. My guest, Michelle Dean, known as the Progressive Culture Warrior, is a marriage and family therapist specializing in human development and family relations. Bringing 30 years of expertise to the discussion of family values and morality and politics and culture, she finds common ground in our deeply divided political system and sparks a new conversation that is long overdue. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being <laughs> I'm great. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Oh, I, you know, your, your book, okay, Saving America's Grace, Rethinking Family Values, Moral Politics and the Culture War. To say that you have written this with emotion is putting it mildly. It is very colorful. The, the, the passion of the anger you feel is most apparent and the fact that you put it in writing for everyone to see. I think that was quite brave. So let's get everyone up to speed by beginning with why you decided to take this very courage, courageous step and write a tell-it-like-it-is book.
2: Uh, well, I'd say part of it is probably my personality. that If I feel something strongly, I typically express it. But specifically for this issue, back in 2004, well, actually I could back up even more. Prior to that, um, I was not political at all, um, and 9-11 happened and completely woke me up, and I, it mm-hmm. dawned on me, well, maybe our government isn't as ideal as I thought it was.
0: <laughs> so I
2: just, you know, started consuming every possible, you know, piece of journalism I could, both abroad and, and here, and then I was I'm following politics really closely, George W. Bush, Dick Cheney and Company started this war in Iraq uh, based on false information or false justification. And I was beside myself. Then in 2004, when Bush got reelected, even though the war was unjust, he was a highly unpopular president at this point, he still won. And all the analysts were looking at what happened, how did this happen? And it boiled down to, uh, what many strategists believe was their family values rhetoric and their use of marriage and equality to, or gay marriage to drive a wedge issue and use that cultural divide to you know split states, red, blue, et cetera. So that was the theory about how he won the election. And when I was listening to the family values rhetoric, I was thinking to myself, this is absolute nonsense. Not only is it false, but they're duping the public and they're harming people who really need to know what it takes to create happy homes and raise healthy, sound children. I mean, this is an example of the rhetoric. I have a quote here. The seismic waves from same-sex marriage and parenting have the potential to deconstruct humanity. (laughs) That's quote was delivered by focus on the family James Dobson who is of the religious right and who was extremely influential in republican politics now he used that metaphor seismic waves only months after the worst tsunami in history had struck the Indonesian uh, area and he mm-hmm. uh, and you know, <laughs> of course and so their their um, strategy was to evoke fear and then come to the rescue. So they're going to make people afraid that literally humanity is going to deconstruct. However, if you vote Republican, these people who have family values, that's not going to be the case. So I thought not on my watch. <laughs> Nobody mm-hmm. in my field was stepping up to the plate and setting the record straight. So I, you know, became passionate about it and then, you know, I kind of procrastinated. I didn't get my book out, and then I got very sick. And that's probably a topic for another time. But I was essentially laid up almost during all of Obama's term. Uh, marriage equality had passed in June of 2015. And I thought, great for that. The window of opportunity for my book has closed. But then Donald Trump came on the scene and started picking up steam in the presidential primary. And I'm thinking, oh, my word we still need to have a conversation about moral values in this culture. So I spent a year <laughs> during the whole campaign writing the book, and this that was kind
1: of the story of how this came about. <laughs> so it's great yeah. that you are the change agent that you are, and as I said, that, that took courage. And I have to give, you know, the Republican Party a lot of credit because they do a heck of a job marketing and branding what they don't have and that's brainwashing and and they are successful at that so Kudos Absolutely. to them for being able to, to, you know, to get that down pat. Mm-hmm. It's hard to brand what we do, you know, and and yet right. they were so very successful. But the, as you said, the passion that you have about something, and then you go for it, and you certainly did. And it, your book is certainly making a, a difference. The the attention to detail, the thorough research that you've done. I don't think anyone who could read this book would be able to say that. Anything in it is, is uh, just a one-sided view. It is not. There's the research and the science to back it up. So, um, you know, kudos to you for doing that. As you said, no one else in your field stepped up to the plate. Were you not concerned with backlash from either peers or your clients? Um,
2: no, actually. Um no, I just don't think of that. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I just kind of have this focus and this drive to, to move forward and do what I think is, quote, right. And um, I don't know if you uh, saw the dedication in the front I of did, the book. I did. And that was
1: con- that's one of my questions I have for you, actually. <laughs> you uh-huh. dedicated this book to your dad, who is your favorite Republican. I was wondering, what was his take on the book? And is he proud of you?
2: Uh, well, actually, he's not with us anymore.
1: I'm so sorry. sorry.
2: Yeah, he he passed in um, December of 2014, but I still wanted to dedicate it to him. And he mm-hmm. was my favorite Republican. And he taught me to stand in principle for truth with courage, no matter the tide. So no matter if people were on your side or not on your side or what the backlash is going to be, that's kind of what you do. And he never actually told me that in words. It was just how he lived his life. And mm-hmm. um, after he passed away, I, it wasn't until then, and discussions with my cousins and so forth, that I realized how similar, how much like him I am. <laughs> and I, could, I guess you can say that that may have been a value that he passed down to me.
1: Well, I think the fact that he's a Republican and, you know, and and again, I'm so sorry for your loss. That is a difficult thing to go through. Uh, I I believe that he probably is very proud of you because you're his daughter and you stood up for what you believed in and you did what he taught you. And regardless of what he might've thought, I think you would have had some great discussions. And since you started the book earlier and put it aside, did you have any great discussions (laughs) with him about, about what you were doing?
2: No, you know, actually I didn't, Um, which
1: is, I don't think anybody asked you me this know, question before. You sound surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It is kind of surprising. I, um, you know, I did put it aside, and but there was a period of time there where I could have. You know, there's a couple of years there where I was well enough, and I could have had these discussions with him, but I didn't. And um, I'm trying to think how that would have gone.
1: <laughs> we'll never know now. You'd have to go to a medium to learn that. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. He's still totally and exactly.
1: proud of you. I have to say. I think that he would be extremely proud of you. I really do. I you know, it it's not a long book and it's not difficult to read. It is it's everything that you that 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 I was thinking and just never put into words because I thought you know nobody's going to want to listen to anything that I have to say because I get a little passionate about things too so I was very grateful that it was out there when the publicist first told me about it and I just saw the name of it and what it what it was about I said yeah absolutely oh. I, I the topic we need to put on the show um and I you know some of the most surprising things that you learned on this journey for the real meaning of family values were probably not in your on your radar until after 9/11, and after you saw it, you began to become more politically active. Is that a, is that safe to say?
2: Well, I'm not sure. I understand. Um, in, the, in terms of like the use of the phrase "family values," that's absolutely well, right. Um, like, is that what you're referring to? Or yeah,
1: family and, and, values? and like, how and, and how we're yeah, not like, and how it's not being used properly, if you will.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, in, in my graduate program in, in family studies, nobody talked about family values. We talked a lot about dysfunctional families and functional families and that type of thing. Um, so when this term family values came around, um, I don't know if you, you saw that uh, chapter where I said, uh, what did I say? I read the book. <laughs> it's basically, yeah, basically we need to have values of values. Um, and uh, from dubious values to valuable principles is what I suggest we need to do. And what I mean by that is, you know, values can mean a lot of different things. There's one set of values that is very, you know, arbitrary and subjective and has no absolute. For example, um, you know, someone who loves nature will value uh, beauty, and someone who, you know, loves computers may value something completely up, you know, or they could overlap. So or as Stephen Covey uh, uses this example, you know, there's a gang of thieves, and they will have they will have values, but are they good values?
0: <laughs> we don't, you
2: know, ch- chances are not. They need value, you know, the ability to, to lie. Is that a good value? No, that's not. So we need to rethink what we're talking about when we talk about values in and in relation to family. And there's another definition of values that has to do with the worth of something. And how do you define that is by looking at what is your goal and what is it that you need to do to reach that goal? So, So, for example, if your goal is to have an optimally healthy functioning family, what are those things that we need to value and live in order to get where we want to go? So that's a different definition of values. I pull out two, these two definitions from Webster's, and they're very, you know, clear. I could value, you know, eating pizza every night for dinner and chocolate for dessert. Does that mean that it's a healthy, good value? No.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, just because it's normal in my culture, does that make it right? No. <laughs> um, so is that? Do you see the difference there between? Yes how okay yes so that's what i try to do i'm not trying to tell anybody or you should feel this way you should value this i'm saying if you want to have a healthy happy home raise sound children these are the principles that you need to embrace in order to get there
1: i think it comes down to awareness i mean everything pretty much does and you know, instead uh-huh. of hearing something and throwing away the word, or just believing what you hear. You know, family values. Family. It, this has been going on forever, and and it's mm-hmm. now it's em, it's empty. It's just empty now. You know, I, I mm-hmm. think if you took a poll in the streets of New York and you said, "What are family values?" People would be like, "Oh, I, you know, I don't know how much you make for a, a living. Um, the kids going to school, or I, I value my family. You know, because I love them." There'd be so many different connotations of. Of what family values are We've gotten uh-huh. so sidetracked From what family values yes. Traditionally were And that's sad And you know it's, it's hard to imagine That we could ever go back to We can never go back But if we could ever get to a place Where we could be entrenched In those values again Where people <laughs> would look at our country As the great country that we were And I'd like to consider That we probably still are But sometimes I have difficulty with that
2: yeah yeah um i'd like to to get to that point but first i wanted to say something about the traditional family values it really is never defined it's kind of a code Mm -hmm. word it's something that you know kind of feels good it feels warm and fuzzy who wouldn't want to have tradition and family and you know all of that just feels cozy it feels good it feels right if you decode the code the way especially, you know, the religious right, have used traditional family values, it is to hook you in. But if you mm-hmm. were to decode it, they're really talking about patriarchal and biblical mm-hmm. family values. Now, the Bible uh, does not say anything about, you know, Christ never talked about family values. <laughs> um, right. Right. And the, and the best examples of family life we have in the Bible are, you know, Cain and Abel and all these horrible stories. We have, you know, children getting beaten, you know, for in their parents, then women getting stoned for, you know, being, quote, adulterous and, and all of that. So, you know, is, is that a moral system? No. But the problem that I point out, and I think that is probably the most practical application from my book, is the notion of traditional family values encompasses authoritarian parenting practices. And there's research after research that shows this is not the best way to raise sound children with healthy character. And so what's the difference between authoritarian and the ideal has been identified as authoritative? And, And you can ask what the difference is. The difference is Authoritarian basically uh, goes on the principle of controlling and making the child be de- obedient. So there's a, it, it, embedded in that is there, there's kind of an inherent disregard for the person who they are. They, you and know, it's, sh-
1: it's also sorry, fear
2: based. It's also fear. Exactly. Based. Exactly. Fear based. So mm-hmm. we've got shame. We've got guilt. We've got fear. All of that is used to try to control children, make them obedient, make them, quote, good. Well, (laughs) that does not do the trick. What does is uh, an authoritative parenting model, which is essentially um, like a humanistic values as opposed to patriarchal values. You acknowledge their (laughs) personhood, you acknowledge the feelings they might be having, and you set firm limits. You um, and I think this is where we've had trouble in this kind of modern culture is I feel like the pendulum has swung kind of to the other end Mm -hmm. where parents were sure, you know, they want to befriend their child, they wanna be loving, they wanna be, you know, this and that, and they they have a hard time with the limit setting and that's crucial. So it's limit setting with, with empathy. And um, an acknowledgement of their emotions, because when you do that, you help children learn how to integrate and understand their emotions. That's how children become emotionally intelligent. And there's all kinds of brain neuroscience research out there that discusses how uh, children learn and process. And emotions are an important component of development and development in this society, we get away from the inner dimension. We get away from emotions and feelings and, you know, want to focus on the behaviors and the outer rewards and the results. And we need to change that. And, um, because if you think about it, most of the problems we have in this world, the root is some sort of emotional issue, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's somebody that's shooting, you know, um, People down, you know, mass gun shootings, whether it's somebody who has an addiction, whether it's somebody who, you know, uh, has low self-esteem, or, it all boils down to these this emotions. And I think we have diminished the importance of our emotional world and how we need to help children learn to manage and regulate, is the word they use in neuroscience, how we, they learn to regulate their emotions. I um, I agree with you.
1: I I think the authoritarian type of parenting was very popular. (laughs) And a lot of people came Uh from that and decided, yeah, now I have to do it differently. And they may not understand the difference between authoritarian and authoritative. So they Mm -hmm. try to be the child's friend. You cannot be a child's friend. You're not doing that child any good by being their friend. You have to be a disciplinarian. You have to allow them their opinions and talk and express and show them the affection that they deserve and help them with their you know, emotional and physical needs and not be their friend. You can be their friend after after they're grown up, but you can't be their friend while yeah. they're – you have to be the authority figure. You really do, and I think people have trouble with that. And so a lot of this yep. starts right in the nuclear family where, you know, that's, I think, where we're seeing a lot of these things go awry, you know, from the uh-huh. from the standpoint of children – you know, being able to do whatever they want, whenever they want, staying up as late as they want. And, and this gives them a sort of a sense of entitlement. Whenever I'm speaking in front of a group and oh, I teach part of a STEM program and when I'm up talking to people and they say, what is your name? And I'll say, I'm Mrs. Love. The students will look at me like, why can't we call you T? Well, you're not on my level. You're not. I mm-hmm. respect you, but I need the respect back. And that's the, little, the littlest things have brought us down. You know, those little mm-hmm. common etiquette, I think, are, are, is a big part of what has brought us down. Too many people are saying, well, you can call me this, that, or the other thing. No, I'm sorry. No, that, mm-hmm. that's just not right. This child is not on the same level, and they shouldn't think that they're a friend of mom's groups or anything like that. Uh, and, and I think that's a big part of it. Would you agree with that? Uh, uh, about the, the etiquette piece? Well, but, you know, the whole thing, that the, the, the authoritative part is gone and people wanted to get oh. away from. I think that's yeah. kind of yeah. missing. You really do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I failed to say, um, so the research that I pulled out is this classic parenting research, and, and they actually identified four parenting styles. One is authoritarian, one is authoritative, one is permissive, and one is neglectful or uninvolved. So that's what you're talking about here is that permissive parenting mm-hmm. model where, you know, they're just expressing themselves. <laughs> um, that does not give children what they need. They need a container. They need consistencies. They need limits. They need, they need discipline. Um, so that's right. And, and I think parents also fail to have conversations with their children. And I, I'm of the mindset – well, I explain in the book how to do this, but it's, it's building children from the inside out. So if children have a natural, re, if you have a regard for your child and expect them to have a regard for you, that will naturally develop and flourish. Children want to love their parents. They want to be loved by their parents. Sure, they're going to act out. Sure, they're going to do things we don't like. But fundamentally, they need and want a parent's love. And when they get that, along with the parent's expectations that the child, you know, has a regard for them, then they can develop uh, these types of values. And without that, they don't. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers your question.
1: Yeah, it does. I, I, I do think that um, I agree with you, and I think that there's a lot that can be done, from the standpoint of coming from home before the kids even go out or anybody goes out and goes into, you know, that's where it all starts. That's where it has to start. Absolutely.
2: And the first five years of life are like critical. These children are sponges and a lot of, you know, their brain structures get set during that period of time. And it's crucial. And I wish that we could, I mean, you know, the way our country is going now, I don't see this happening, but I wish that we could have, like, some sort of parenting education so that parents know before they even have children what is important and why. You know, it's just crazy how little we actually know about such an important, critical part of our lives <laughs> that affects yeah. us and our future. Um so that's that true. Is it's not
1: it's not taught in the schools. And when you go to the hospital, they hand you the baby and say, good luck. That's what you get. That's right.
2: <laughs> that's right. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to do here is have like kind of change the conversation that we're having about family values and morality and try to, you know, bring it to light so that this can be part of our conversation. Just like at one point in time, people didn't know smoking was bad for you. Right. Um, you know we we had conversations about you know uh, pollution and and how important it is to go green and all the changes that we had with that and fitness so I feel like once we can bring awareness to these issues and then start having conversations um, you know there's a hope for some
1: change there is hope for change I, I would like to believe that it's within a reasonable reach to get there say 30 years but yeah, I agree yeah. with you the way that things are going right now. Who knows what's going on? You know, maybe after the impeachment of the president that we currently have, things will start to change. And hopefully that will happen, you know, before the end of the year. Um, that's just my view. Don't email me. I'm entitled to my opinion, <laughs>
0: people. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, <So>, you know, <laughs> but, the you way know. I look at it, I, yeah, I actually think Trump is just kind of the head on this big boil, this big problem. and he. You know, like these problems have been in our culture and in our politics all along. Just now, they're at, you know, he doesn't filter anything. And we're at such a point where, he, you know, it's just like we can't ignore this anymore. <laughs> it's so in our face. Right. And now people are so outraged. I really feel like this crisis is an opportunity for us to kind of recalibrate <laughs> and look at things and say, wow, this, this isn't working.
1: Well, I kind of think that's the whole reason he got elected is so that we can recalibrate, because let's face it, everything he's seeing, children, regardless of how careful anyone was at home turning on their TVs, radios, and talking about politics, children were breathing this in. They were just taking it in, and I cannot tell you how many phone calls, I cannot tell you how many I received from both patients and clients the day after the election. The fear, the anger, the sadness, the range of emotions was staggering. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, I felt it as well, but in my position, I had to quell my feelings so that I could help them. Uh, I had one woman Mm -hmm. tell me her son asked, Little boy in his class now had to return to the country he came from, while another woman told me her daughter asked if it was still safe to go to school. That's outrageous. Children were so greatly affected by this election, and nobody thought they were. But no matter how hard the parents tried to keep things normal, they couldn't get away from the the wrath pre-election and even still post-election. You know, that right. had a huge impact. Now, we've got children, we're bullying, we're trying not to do bullying, but now we're saying, well, if it's okay for the man that's got the top job, it's okay for me, I'm eight, he's, you know, almost 70. Exactly. That's just not right.
2: Exactly, and that's why I think the election of Trump is actually a system of the problems in our culture. Um, he, you know, we, we're not valuing the right things. We're valuing people like right. Trump and the Kardashians. <laughs> you know, we, where's the character Where, you know, where is the meaning? Where is the things that matter in life? Um, That's the problem. And I think, you know, we need to start having conversations with our kids. Now, I remember thinking, I'm so glad I don't have a child during this election cycle. My daughter's in college. And so she's Mm -hmm. old enough to see it for what it is. But kids, you know, the way that these uh, adults were behaving on a stage, you know, during the, the debates that is a place that is supposed to have dignity and, you know, some gravitas. And these people are, you know, they're making references to the size of, you know, his genitals. And it's just like mm-hmm. that was so juvenile. And and how do we – and then, you know, just the, the person who's mocking disabled people, we actually yep. – re reward him, reward him by giving him the presidency. That is such a confusing right. double message for our children. That is another reason why we need to have these conversations about meaning and morals and values and, you know, being a good person, what does that mean? Um,
1: so, and to, to talk yeah. about how he got elected and how what was what the manipulation factor was because it was and how he actually got into office because he, he is a bully and all this tweeting that he's doing, he's like a petulant child. I mean, will you please stop? Are oh, you five yeah. years old? this is ridiculous you're supposed to be the head of the free world. And right now I'm looking at you like really, you know, me along with a bunch of other people want to move to Canada (laughs) and they're not letting people in. So, you know, it's, um, it's really sad to see our, 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 the whole, the whole state of politics, the whole country go to hell in a handbasket because that's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly what's happening. And then you have to, I think each person, mind their own self, mind your own energy, mind your own what you're doing, and handle it as well as possible to try to bring other people up along with you so that they know, they understand, without telling anyone, you know, you're wrong, what to do, but have good conversations that aren't competitive, you know, cooperative, not competitive.
2: Right, right. I have this, you know, kind of, I don't know what I could call it. Uh, a a, a dream almost (laughs) Uh, of, you know, could we in America, you know, kind of create a movement where we actually like call it American values rising or something like that, where we kind of come together and we actually start to highlight the good things that we do for each other and with each other, you know, the kind of the inspirational things, we've lost that, you know, there was a point in time when, You know, if you were competing with somebody and they fell on the ground, you gave them a hand and you helped them up, you didn't kick them in the face when they're down, which is, you know, Donald Trump style. And, um, you know, I just feel like if we can start to acknowledge and, you know, and appreciate the kindness and connection, as opposed to me firstism and, you know, getting ahead. Because that's, again, back to the culture and what we value, we value... Greed over need. We value, um, you know, money over morals, and it just goes on. And we need to start changing this. (laughs) So I was thinking, you know, if we could start to emphasize the good, because people feel good from seeing the good. You know, it's heartwarming.
1: I think we're starting to see that. I I think this is how you create the happy homes and the healthy souls and the well-adjusted children in America. And I think we're actually starting to see this over the past, I'll say – maybe, uh, I'll go to 2010, so the past, oh, that's seven years, okay, that's a long time. <laughs> Let's say the past uh-huh. five years, we've started to uh-huh. see an increase, and in, we've seen it in the Olympics, where somebody falls down and somebody helps them up. We've seen it in marathons, in the New York Marathon, and the Boston Marathon, where somebody falls and someone else who's a competitor goes mm-hmm. and helps that person up. We've seen children, particularly children, start to do things to help people in this world, because they, their little hearts have so much compassion and they come out. How many mm-hmm. new Nonprofits are there out there right now that children have started. They saw a, a, a problem and they said, "Okay, I'm going to make sure that we get as many sneakers as possible." There's one little boy that did that. There are so many new things, and you see it all over TV. If you're, uh, if you, it's like a Google search. You can watch Ellen, and you'll see different people go and, on there, yeah, and they've started. And, you know. and,
2: and how does that make a person? You know, make you feel? Make like me right. feel? It's like it's nutrition for the soul. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. you know. It feels good. It's very. I don't know. It just feels grounding. It's you know. You're in touch with hum, your humanity. You're in touch with connection with people. It's that. It's the way we are wired. We are wired to be empathic. We need empathy. Right. That's another piece in my book uh, about you know the neuroscience and how. There's something called empathic attunement that's absolutely critical for the proper brain development of infants and toddlers and children, <laughs> and it goes on and on. But it, this empathy we've lost, and we've got to get it back. And it does begin, I believe, you know, in the home with empathy and awareness. You know, we need to kind of raise our spiritual selves, and, you know, because it's hard as heck being a parent when you're stressed, when you're tired, when you're not getting yourself, your needs met, and you have to rise above the occasion and act like an adult <laughs> and handle, you know, the tantrum that's happening in front of you. That takes a lot of, you know,
1: forbearance. And I'm going to go back to <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'm mm-hmm. going to go back to etiquette for a minute because there are so many things that are lost. When, when we don't teach children what proper etiquette is. People do not say thank you. Saying thank you, you know, I mean, it's, it's the shortest prayer you can say, and if that's the only prayer you say, it is enough. If you actually say thank you to someone and mean it sincerely. If you start to, I mean, I, people around here, whenever there's an awards banquet or anybody gets any kind of uh, accreditation in the, in the newspaper, any kind of PR or anything, and I know them, I will send them a note, a handwritten note, congratulating Uh them or thanking them if they did something and I have had many people say that is a lost art no one does that and I'm like you know it makes me feel good to do it and when I put it in the mailbox it makes me feel good and I know when they get it it makes me feel good and I know it because each person gets in touch with me and says wow T that was really nice thanks so much for that note it doesn't take much but we live in a society where everybody's too busy nobody has time for anything and that's what brings Mm -hmm. people back to I've got to just do this it's the me 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 and not thinking of the other guy and then ego gets in the way and when your ego gets in the way you know what forget it you're done if you can't take the time out to congratulate someone if you can't say wow that's a great effort you just put forth I didn't know you were doing that or congratulations on your award or thank you for taking the time to do this if you can't do that you're hurting your own self as well as everybody else why would you want to hurt yourself you may as well just start with the etiquette, teach these kids these things so that they have to do it. They're starting to teach cursive back in schools now, which to me was wonderful to see in New York. It was like, oh, they're starting to teach cursive because these kids don't know how to write. They don't even know how to speak mm-hmm. the language. They speak it incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And and then we sound like, you know, they, they sound... Very silly when they're, when they're speaking. They don't make sense at all. They can't write. It's horrible the way that everything's going down the tubes because nobody's taking the time. You have to stop and take the time. And it's okay to do that. There will, there will be time to get everything else done. But I think people mm-hmm. don't take the time. And, you know, mm-hmm. that, that can even be as far as, uh, you know, having a Sunday dinner together. The family comes right. together for Sunday dinner. It can be as mm-hmm. silly as that if someone wants to call it silly. But those are the small things we can do to help the whole. I mean, I, I really right. believe that and that would make a huge dent.
2: Yeah, And that's the, the nurturing of the soul <laughs> that, you know, mm-hmm. that we're right. talking about that Dalai Lama refers to, that we've kind of neglected this inner dimension. And that's what that is. It's about the simple things in life that have you feel connected to yourself and to those around you. And, you know, the, the research on happiness tells us that people who are happy are those that have relationships, meaningful relationships in our life. And, we're, again, we're designed, we're wired to have connection and to have that. One thing I want to say about the, the thank you piece, and you actually um, highlighted what I was going to say. I just want to put a little spin on it. That you know, when you put those thank you notes in the mail, you felt good from it. And even before I think you wrote the, the note, you had a feeling of wanting to mm-hmm. congratulate somebody. And right. and that's that's the key. So how do we help children learn that? And it's not about I mean, you know, of course I've gone through it. Did you send the thank you note? You know, and I've made my daughter send thank you notes when, you know, mm-hmm. to remind her I have to tell her sit down and do it. But Um, But it's more than that. It's about showing children gratitude and appreciation throughout life. And they learn to feel gratitude and appreciation. You know, so when a child, um, you know, cooperates, which is better than obeying. I always make a distinction between obeying and being cooperative. When a child cooperates Mm -hmm. and you thank them for it, they learn that it feels good to cooperate. They like to make their parents happy. Sure, there's going to be times where they want to do what they want to do, but you see, you know, it's like it, it, I think we need to, to heighten the feeling that sh- people have, that children have for these types of connections and things.
1: Well, and the only way you are going to do that is right. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do it is to thank them too. As I said, you treat them with respect. You know, there's a a distinction between I'm a parent and you're the child, but you treat them with respect. And you say please and you say thank you. That's gone. I don't hear people saying please and thank you. It pauses me. It absolutely pauses me. I don't care if you're sitting at home, sitting next to your brother. You can say please pass the salt, you know, and thank you when you get it. It feels good. And that right there starts instilling those feelings. And, by the way, there's only four words in the English language that actually evoke feelings within your body that will initiate healing so that you do feel good. And when you concentrate on any one of these four words for three minutes, the effects last for six hours, your cortisol levels go down, your endorphins up. It's wonderful. It's compassion, appreciation, care, and gratitude. Those are the four Mm -hmm. words only. Those four words. It's not the the composition of the words. It's not the letters and the vowels or the way that it sounds. It's simply Mm -hmm. the feelings that you Oak. And when you meditate yep. on that and initiate healing, HeartMath Institute, um, yeah, I mean, I studied oh, yeah. positive psychology, mm-hmm. energy psychology, all this stuff, and it makes complete sense, but you have to bring it down to a level for children so that, you know, when I go into a, a classroom and it's little people, and this one little boy came over to me and said, look at Mrs. Love, I did it wrong. And I said to him, no, you didn't. He goes, I didn't. And I said, no, you just found a way that didn't work. Now I just keep trying until you find a way that does. (laughs) And he said, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So he went back to his Mm -hmm. table, and he's sitting at a table. He's the only little boy at the table with all the girls. He's going to break a lot of hearts someday. I just know it. And um, (laughs) a little girl said to him, I did it wrong. And he said, no, you didn't. You just found a way that doesn't work. Keep going. You'll find a way that does. And I thought, okay, this made him Mm -hmm. feel so good that he heard it, he internalized it, and he regurgitated it. That means he learned it,
2: you know? Right. And I'm like,
1: wow, that's really good. So it's yeah. real simple cool He, he to
2: got to do a good, that. you know what? He walked away from that interaction with you feeling good. And he yeah, had a natural exactly. desire to share that with this girl.
1: It's, it's a perfect example. We have a mm-hmm. lot of We have a lot to learn from little people. We have a lot to learn from little people. If we just paid attention to them, Absolutely. we would be better off because It's been squelched in us, and then we turn around and do it to our own kids, which is really sad, but we don't know any better because it's what we learned. So now we're waking up. So now let's teach our children that when you have children, don't do what I did to you. You
2: know, make it better. (laughs) Yeah, but it does does take effort. It does take focus. It does take a desire to to change. And Mm -hmm. so I'm hoping that people can, you know, see that it'll – improve their own lives as well as their children <laughs> you know it's yeah. it's, a, it's a different way of, of of being that is more harmonious and integrated and connected and um and that's what's important
1: <laughs> you know if if the democrats are smart they will take this opportunity to claim the moral high ground and they really should. <laughs> Thank you for saying that.
2: <laughs> because I'm i believe I'm trying to get this message out there, believe me. And, um, and that's what was dumbfounding to me. How in the world they let that opportunity go. Was there never a more ideal time to claim the moral high ground than when Trump was running
1: they election? They can still do it. They can still yeah. do it, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be more work. But they need to do it because the Republicans still Absolutely. are not. They still it's are good. not. So somebody's got to take it. You know, Bernie Sanders was close. Mm. He's progressive. But somebody's got to take this and say, wait a minute, we yeah. have an opportunity here. And it's got to be somebody yeah. smart enough to be able to figure it out. And, and I don't know if that's out there right now, but if anybody's listening or reading this book, and this book should be sent to every politician in the country, you know. Um, <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> just you. every Democrat. Yeah, I see. I see. You know, send it to every Democrat. That might work. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I do the, think it's uh, a great opportunity.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you managed to get to Chapter 7 in my book, but I propose a moral narrative. And yep. it's the uh, – I, I, I I'm not quite sure where I was going with that, but – oh, I know. So what's important to tie this back to is our government, American values, our founders built this nation knowing that democracy was a moral ideal, And that in order to self-govern, this concept of virtue, which has been part of Greek um, and Roman political philosophy for eons, um, this concept of virtue was critical in order to self-govern, otherwise the common good would not be considered. It would be all about me. If you think about it, Mm -hmm. it makes sense, right? You have to have Mm -hmm. an element of character in order to put your own self-serving needs aside and take into consideration the common good. And that is what we have lost. And that is what I think, you know, Bernie Sanders was saying in different words, that we have this gross income inequality. Sure, we live in a capitalist society. Sure, there's not going to be equal income across the board. However, the, uh, the, the extreme Uh, you know, inequality that we're seeing today to the point where we've got billionaires, you know, I don't know, he has the statistics how X number of families have as much as 90% of Americans. That's a problem. That is Mm -hmm. an absolute problem that we need to address. And I don't, and and until we address that, um, I'm not sure what's going to happen with our country. And, you know, Robert Reich has done a great documentary talking about how, the middle class is crucial to building our economy because those are the people who consume and who buy the billionaires can only buy so many pairs of socks or so many TVs. You know, it's got to be, the middle class has got to be strong and we need to figure out a way to do that.
1: Well, and I think that, and I, I I did read your whole book. I mean, you can talk uh, to Elise. I read every, every guest book from cover to cover because Why would you come on the show and talk to somebody who didn't read your book? That just, I just, that doesn't make sense to Uh me. Uh, However, the one thing that, you know, that was in Chapter 7 that caught my attention, and you can tell because I took Mm -hmm. these notes, (laughs) was (laughs) this quote by Teddy Roosevelt. You know, remember, Uh the most perfect machinery of government will not keep us as a nation from destruction if there is not within us a soul. Mm -hmm. I, you know, that really speaks loudly, and people need to hear that. And we don't have that right now. There's there's no soul in the Republican Party, and that that is you know clear and present danger. <laughs> yes, absolutely.
2: And and to be to be fair, I think the Democrats need to take a leap of faith and start to extract themselves from corporate America because you know I mean they, we we have to get money out of politics. We have to stop using, you know, uh, corporate money to fund politicians.
1: Because I think that's, that's part of the reason kind of, why Trump won, because I think people believed he was paying for his own stuff and it wasn't coming from corporate America.
2: Yeah. Well, now we have him taking $1.9 million weekends to mm-hmm. Florida every week. And he's, he who's paying for that.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> And visiting his, his properties the, the once taxes. every three days that he's not supposed to have anything to do with because he's president. But, you know, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll have to cut him some slack for that because we can't get around it right now.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well,
1: Michelle, we're getting close to the top of the hour. But one last question. Now that the election is over and we all know what's going on, will you be writing a sequel? Seems to me there oh. should be one.
2: <laughs> well, actually, my next book is going to be specifically focused on the family. It won't be a political book at all. And I, I feel like what we need to do with politics is all here, uh, or at least the foundation for it is here. And I can, you know, do op eds and write articles and hopefully do some speaking and try try to somehow infiltrate the Democratic Party or the uh, Revolution people. But um, yeah, so the next book is going to be specifically on families and uh, you know every element of that marriage, parenting. And how do we do that in today's world?
1: And that will be very much needed as well. Well, as I said, we are almost at the top of the hour. But before we go, would you please tell our listeners how they may learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, Saving America's Grace, Rethinking Family yeah. Values, Moral Politics, and the Culture War.
2: Oh, thank you. So it's available on Amazon. That's probably the easiest place to get it is on Amazon. And it's both in uh, paperback and ebook book versions. And my website, uh, if you wanted to reach me, you can do that through my website, uh, which is uh, my name, and that's www. It's Michelle Dean, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, and Dean is a double E, like Paula Dean uh, of Same. <laughs> Michelle yeah. Dean, D-E-E-N dot com. Yeah, and um, you know, and then I have Facebook, Twitter, and you can find me on there
1: or do all the follow and like once they get to your website. Thank you so mm-hmm. much, very, very very much for being on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. I think this is a good topic, and it's something that does need to be discussed, and I hope that your book sells millions so that people do understand and get a better idea and insight of what's been happening, and, and oh. you know, it kind of gives you a roadmap of how we can get out of it. So, you know, hopefully people will do that. Thank you so much, Michelle. Oh, well,
2: thank you, T. You, you're actually an amazing host, <laughs> very captured it as well, and and informed. So I appreciate that. Well, thank
1: you for that. Thank you. (laughs) So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world. That's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised, so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live, productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link to this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so that they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archived list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including my sound healing concerts and labyrinth walks. Please be sure to check out our charitable organization for kids, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every penny of every donation goes directly to children in need. We are run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries or stipends. I am also the author of the soon-to-be-released children's book, Santa's Tiniest Elves. All royalties from the book will go directly to children in need as well. We are Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, and we believe by investing in a brighter tomorrow, we are giving them a better today. Thank you for taking time to visit our website, www.sojihuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRGAwareRadio. That's at NRGAwareRadio and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. a couple of times because uh, I'm sometimes sorry. people just was, talking. Oops. Hold on. Uh, I'm sorry. I've- hold on. Yep, I I got you back. So we we got cut out. I'm sorry. Are the air? Are you there? Are you there? Are you there? Are you there?
2: Uh, Michelle? Yeah.
1: Yes. Okay, yeah. Yes. Okay, good. I right. you got cut out. So they, I didn't hear- it, what happened? When you um I, I wondered if you were new or not, and I like the way that you allow the conversation to flow, because so many times it, it, it just goes off and it's not it's not going the way that you want it to go. So you were listening to what I was saying and responding to it, and I was listening to what you were saying and responding to it, and we weren't getting uh-huh. off track. That's important, yeah. so I like that. Yeah, I'd have you back uh, again. Uh,
2: okay, I don't say great. that to
1: everyone. I don't, I don't <laughs> say that to everyone. So um, and Elise knows that too, because I do a lot of people um, once. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever done any of her people twice. I've had some people on three or four times. Bernie Siegel, Dr. Bernie Siegel, Dr. Brian Weiss, um, quite a few people. You know, big name people have been on the show multiple times because they like it. They think it's like uh-huh. having a conversation with in their living room. Yeah. I don't interrogate. You know, um, no, I don't. I don't. I'm not a fighter. It's like there's nothing in the world to fight about. We're not allowed to, allowed to fight in my house. There's no fighting. You just don't. There's nothing to fight about. So, um, so I live my life a little differently than. Psychiatrists and, and psychologists believe works. <laughs> it's like my way works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. really That's think a TED. Uh, I think uh-huh. a TED talk would be good for you. because you because you have it all in the book. All you have to do is you know bring it into like a um make it a synopsis of, of this and and people would listen right. because it's interesting, fascinating. It's you know why it's fascinating because you did your research. This isn't just your opinion. See, I thought this was going to be your opinion, and when I started mm-hmm. reading it, I'm like oh my god, I feel same way and I was laughing and then when I got to the part about oh okay all right yeah she really did her research I, I like this this is good so that makes a big uh-huh. difference I think you'd I hope that you get to do one and when you do you have to let me know because okay. I, I listen to talks on my treadmill <laughs> oh
2: absolutely Now by any chance do you have Facebook or Twitter please?
1: um okay here's the thing with me <laughs> I have Facebook uh-huh. for Soji Huggle but I don't know how to do it so someone does it for me because I just can't be bothered. Uh-huh. I don't even have a magic uh-huh. phone. I'm like, no, I don't want to be cyber stocked. Thank you anyway. So I just I don't uh-huh. do any of that stuff. Okay. I, I do, do Twitter. I'm at Energy Aware Radio. Um, and you, you, at least we'll get a, 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 a note tomorrow where you can actually take this program, if you so choose, and put it on your website. Again, that's up to you. Oh, or, or send it to people so they can listen to it. I don't yeah. know how to do that, but I know it can be done. Um, so okay. I'm – uh, you know, I can build my own website, but I want nothing to do with social media. I just find it to be—it's too. Uh, when I'm dealing with clients, it's so destructive. I'm like, look, you got to stop. You, you guys are addicted. This is an addiction now, and nobody's listening to That's me, right. but it is an addiction. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I don't definitely.
2: Yeah. Well, if somebody, yeah, you probably have more followers than me. So if if somebody tweets for you, and if you, you know, mention the the show, that was that would be I awesome. Did.
1: Uh, what happens okay. right now is, first of all, I'm going to go to I'll go to Goodreads and I'll go to uh, Amazon and write a review. Then um, oh. automatically, the show has already been tweeted out that it was on air. It was tweeted out that we're on air. Join us now. Halfway through, it said, "Join us again." Then after right now, it's already available for people to download as a podcast. A tweet already went out, and over the course of the next three or four days, tweets will go out specifically about this show. Oh, awesome. Very good. So I know. Thank you. I know that's set up. I know that's set up. It was set up a long time ago. I couldn't do it again if I tried. It'd be like, oh, now I got to spend three days figuring out this Twitter <laughs> stuff. It's <laughs> so changed, so but I know that that happened. What
2: is your Twitter handle? At What's your name on
1: Twitter. N as in. it's at n r g aware radio. Mhm. Okay. No, Great. It's at nrgawareradio. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's at N-R-G-aware-radio. Oh. Yep. Um, I'll follow you. um, but yeah, I know that there's, um, now you have Facebook. Yes. Yeah. But you know,
2: I'm kind of like you, I've neglected it. I yeah. don't, you know, I need to probably start doing something consistent on it. I have my book on a page. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I, um, I just don't. When I, when I tried to set it up, I set it up last year because our foundation is only one year old. And I set it up. I was literally in tears after five hours. I said, I can't do this. This is not, my brain doesn't function like this. This is so high school. I can't do this. I can't have people. Uh-huh. I, I don't understand the pages and stuff. I just And one woman on my advisory board, she said, you don't ever have to do it again. I can see you're upset. I said, thank you. I know what I'm doing when it comes to my work. I know what I'm doing when it comes uh-huh. to my volunteer work pediatric hospice person. I know what I'm doing with my radio show. I know what I'm doing with the foundation. Facebook, no, I'm not doing social media. I hate it. If you put a gun to my head and said text, I'd be like, you're going to have to shoot me. I don't know how to text. I don't have a phone that texts. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> and the funny part is my husband's a bigwig at a tech company. He does not have a magic phone and he doesn't text either. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you get <them> one. one. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's great. I love it. <clears <clears throat> throat> like sixty dollars a month for two phones. I'm like, yeah, that works for me.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> so oh, I'm
1: a little, I'm yeah. a little but it's okay. It works. But um, I really appreciate you being on the show. I love your book, obviously. Um, and as I said, I'll do a review, and and you'll get that in the morning as well. And uh, yeah, let oh, me know if you do a TED talk. would be great. Okay, That'd be I fabulous. will.
2: Thanks so much, T.
1: You're okay. welcome. You have a great night.
2: You too. Take care. Bye. Okay.
1: Yep. Bye-bye.